It's time for Knox Talk, a behind-the-scenes look at the business side of college sports. Featuring Paul Sickman from Knox Sports and Brandon Parks from the Vol Network. Now for today's show. Welcome to another edition of Knox Talk. Today is Wednesday, the 25th of November. My name is Paul Sickman from Knox Sports Marketing here in Tampa, Florida. And I am joined by my co-host, Mr. Brandon Parks from the University of Tennessee and the Ball Network. Good afternoon, Brandon. Happy holidays, Paul. It's uh, Thanksgiving week, Black Friday weekend. I hope you've got your shopping list ready and you're going to take care of your, your wife and your family like I know you will. I, I, I'm not going to do any of those things because uh, <laughs> Saturday is my birthday, so I'm expecting the incoming gifts as opposed to the outgoing. And then as soon as I get my booty, I will uh, think about others. So do we want to go down the path and discuss your age or what age this will be, or should we just move on to our topic for the no, day? No, we can. Double nickel, baby. 55 and holding. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm incrementally aging. I, I, <laughs> I'm getting much older every year than I should. I, I was only 38 last year, and uh, 17 long years 2020 has taken off my life. <laughs> Today our topic, folks, is... The NIL and the incoming mess that is NIL in college sports. And so Brandon and I, who are probably going to take uh, maybe slightly different tacks because, as always, Brandon is more politically correct than I am. We're going to talk a little bit about this and, and what this means to college and what this means to, to folks in Brandon's shoes and what it means to people in my shoes that are, you know, they're selling and, and what this really, what this is all about. But I... I I am a guy that is, I'm the old man that says, get off my lawn. I am fighting like crazy. I, you know, a little history, as you, many of you know, I worked for 10 years in the NFL, and, and in those 10 years, I did not, I don't think, ever once ever recommend an athlete for an endorsement uh, because it's just, it's just scary. I mean, all those guys have to do is mess up one time, and, and then that brand that's associated with you is is in trouble. And I know that there's advantages uh, and social media has changed everything and we're going to talk about that a little bit. But I mean, think about the fact that Aaron Hernandez sound, signed a huge multi-million dollar deal with Muscle Milk three months before he was arrested. I wonder if Muscle Milk kept that campaign going uh, after Aaron Hernandez was arrested. Uh, hmm. Michael Phelps had a massive deal with Kellogg's that was launched about two and a half weeks before all the pictures of him Smoke and Pop were released. And, and then Michael Vick, obviously Michael Vick, good night. He had 10 or 15 deals, uh, including Nike, uh, that all came unglued when that mess uh, came out. By the way, I had a, this is completely off topic. I had a comedian the other day that said that he wanted, for Christmas, for his Christmas, he wanted a painter to paint him a picture of the dogs playing poker with Michael Vick. And that was going to be behind him in his uh, man cave. That's what he wanted for Christmas. Wow. Uh, anyway, uh, I, I, it's just scary, Brandon. And as this comes to college, those are all professionals. Those are all people that are 25 to 35, Lance Armstrong, etc., that, that all just lost it all with huge mistakes. And, and if you think about you and I and what we did, or at least I did, you're probably an angel, but what I did in college, <laughs> uh, it's unbelievable that as a 17, 18, 19, 20-year-old that you're not going to make a mistake that is going to – to kind of derail it. Anyway, we'll, we'll talk about this, but I'll let you give your initial thoughts and then we'll dig into this whole NIL thing and what's coming and how it's all going to change the world. Well, and I, I think it's coming and I think it's coming fast. Um, and I think it's coming down the tracks and I'll tell you as, as, um, 
you know, a, a guy that's 42 years old at this point that wants to have a career in this industry for some time to come. Uh, I think, um, you know, for, for my stance, I've, I've got to embrace it. Um, let's ultimately see what the, uh, the legislation looks like and see the parameters around it. Uh, and then, you know, I know our, our company as a whole um, is working diligently on it to, to be a resource um, to the NCAA and then also with, um, with different, different political pundits out there uh, to try to help from a research perspective. I thought, I saw an article uh, recently and there was a California state senator, Nancy Skinner, who was quoted and she co-authored the bill for the state of California. She said, the devil will be in the details. And right. I, that is about as as simplistic as we can make it because it's going to get very complicated really quickly. Um, and I think that's the truth. I think it's coming, and I think we're going to have uh, NIL legislation that ultimately is approved. Um, and, and then, you know, the student-athletes will be able to benefit from that on a go-forward basis. But, but really, truly what Nancy said, the devil's in the details and how this thing will be built managed, executed, compensated, etc. cetera. Um, but I think we have to embrace it. Okay, so we embrace it. And, and <laughs> first of all, I, I'm, you know, I'm the anti-Jay Billis, right? I mean, this is a guy who went to Duke and had a $250,000 education that he claims that he was not earning any money in college. I, I, it just drives me nuts that, I mean, this is, I, I'm a kid that, that, you know, paid my own way through school, okay? So it is, yeah. to me, it is, unthinkable to be in a situation like the college athletes are today uh, that get their education which is anywhere from an 80 to a 250 or 300 thousand dollar education that they get handed to them and said please please take this take advantage of this uh, and get to use it and then that was step one and then what in 2014 uh, Shabazz Napier from UConn stands mm -hmm. up at a press conference and says I don't have enough money to eat at night I'm starving at night so we have 24-hour food, uh, you know, for the athletes. That, that gets passed. And then a couple of years later, now the cost of attendance comes in, which is, you know, $2,000 to $4,000 at the Power Five for you to go back and forth to home, and it gives you some spending money. And so now they've added that. The ultimate question, Brandon, is, okay, now that we've opened Pandora's box to allow basically everyone out there, booster, non-booster, anyone that has money that wants to use an athlete from an endorsement perspective, how do we stop them? How do we stop the cheating? How do we just stop it? Well, and, and there begins the whole discussion of the details and how we're going to manage this. Um, you know, and I think based on the releases of information that we've seen from the divisional bodies from the NCAA, uh, you know, one of the key takeaways you can immediately take is boosters can't use these new NCAA rules to help programs buy players. So how do you do that? Um, and there's going to have to be significant structure that's built around these things. Um, so there's a structure. There's a question. There's a detailed question right there in and of itself. Where does the money go? I mean, right? That, that's the first question. Because let's give, I'll give you two scenarios. The money goes to the athlete or the money goes into a fund that they get when they graduate? Well, it sure feels like the student athlete's gonna, gonna be on the re receiving end while they're in school. Um, <laughs> okay, so if that's the scenario, it's a mess. Because now, how do you define a booster? Okay, a booster is anyone that gives anything to the school in a booster capacity. Let's say that there's the top 
think about not your clients, but think about the top 25 boosters out there that have businesses that don't normally need an endorser. And they have a fund out there that now they're going to be able to to give to athletes. And it could be completely above board, okay? let's. I mean, right. They just say, okay, we want you to take one Facebook picture or one Instagram shot or one Snapchat with my product and say you love it. And here is X amount of money. And 25 people do that. And, and so that number one prospect um, got an offer of, and it's a combined offer because we as a school can come to you and say our 25 top boosters are going to give this or non-boosters, our 25 top uh, interested parties are going to give you this. And so here's the $100,000 signing bonus. Yeah, it's, and it, it almost gravitates immediately into the gray world of recruiting that we live in now. What goes on during the recruitment of the student athlete because there's so much that goes on and so much in conversation and so forth that it's extremely difficult for any one entity, let alone the NCAA, to try to manage what is permissible and what is not permissible. So how do you not get into a situation where it's a bidding war, in essence? Right. right. Um, and I don't have a good answer for that. Um, you know, Obviously, the NCAA has talked a lot about guardrails that they're wanting to put up within the legislation. Um, and I, I do think it's important to know, I think, I think the NCAA really wants Congress to help them act on this. I think they understand what a what a significant move and opportunity this would be. And if they're going to go down this path, they need as many experts as they possibly can get across any industry that's involved that could touch this. We've got to figure out how to do this the best possible way. And there's obviously going to be modifications to it as we move forward. Um, but how do you safeguard against the recruiting and potentially navigating into a gray area in recruiting? Um, you know, how is, how is this discussion any different than maybe some of the discussions that happen out there uh, where recruiting violations are happening on a daily basis? Right. Um, it's right. just another added layer. And that's gonna be, it's going to be extremely hard to guard. Um, and, and, and I think you have to... You have to you have to get in. You've got to dig down into the weeds when you're talking about name, image, and likeness, and what is the intent behind using the student athlete's name, image, and likeness in a marketing play? Because um, there's there's gonna there's gonna be many examples out there where that doesn't make sense. Where <laughs> on face value it doesn't make sense. Right. And, and okay, so let's we'll, we'll come back to recruiting in a second, but but let's. I, you know, from a research perspective, you know, I did the same thing you did and said, okay, what is what is our current college athletes worth? I mean, so because I think this is where a lot of talk show pundits spend all their time. They talk about how, you know, there are a dozen, 50 athletes out there, whatever the number is, that could be making real money while they're in college. You know, Trevor Lawrence, okay, is right. obviously number one draft pick. He's got, right now, he's got 600,000 Instagram followers. I, I can tell you based on from my social media uh, expert here tells me that a social media influencer uh, can traditionally get about $10 per thousand folks, followers, for a post that is an ad. Okay, so a, an, a not implied endorsement, an absolute endorsement. Trevor Lawrence is sitting on a BMW and he says, this car is the greatest vehicle I've ever driven in upstate South Carolina. Hashtag BMW, hashtag whatever. Okay, so Trevor Lawrence does this he gets $6,000 roughly for that post, okay? That's the number. So if he puts that out, he is the biggest name in college football right now. 
And let's say that there's 50 names out there. And here's the interesting thing. There's probably 40 of them that are women because gymnastics and soccer, there are some international stars in the female world that are going to actually make real money here. They'd had no chance before. But anyway, so we've got 50 stars out there. The numbers go low really quick. The people that have less than 100,000, less than 50,000, that gets there in a real hurry. So social is an answer, and it is going to be a source of some revenue. It's not going to be a source of tremendous revenue, because if Trevor's the biggest name out there and he can do 20 posts a year or 50 posts a year, he's making maybe half a million dollars, and he's the biggest name in college sports right now. So that's that. But drill it down to the backup quarterback at, at your alma mater, how many followers does he have, and what is his chance for revenue? And we already know the answer. Right, and when you localize it even further, to me, it can create a volume issue. How, on a, within an athletics department, are you going to manage the volume of requests for NIL agreements across all sports for all your student-athletes when, you know, think about it from a local perspective. If you're a local restaurant, and you just want a couple of Tennessee football players to come out for a basketball game that's on TV and let fans do a special appearance uh, while the game's going on. You know, what does that ask look like from an appearance perspective? Or let's say it's a speaking, a speaking engagement that you're compensated for uh, versus a traditional marketing endorsement campaign I think before very long, between local companies, regional companies, and then and then more national type companies, that is a massive world to try to get your arms around and manage. And how are you going to do that? And and who gets access and who doesn't? I do think it's it's pretty fascinating in, in a lot of the discussions. And I don't think this has been decided upon yet. Uh, I had seen some things where ultimately it's going to come back to the athletics department and the school to determine some of the parameters and additional guardrails that they may, may put in place. So you think uh, the so school for, is going to be a, a, a clearinghouse for a request? So, the, so a request X is going to come through the school that maybe the old compliance department is now going to have their hands full again, and they're going to have uh, X restaurant wants X player, X soccer player to come. You think that's how it's going to work? I, I, we'll see if it gets approved that way. Um, but where I was going with that is if the school is, is, is the clearinghouse and we'll use Tennessee as an example, first horizon is the official bank of the balls. And we've got a player that has a request from a competitor of first horizon. That's a real problem for me as the multimedia rights holder, because within my agreement with the school, first horizon owns the exclusive, uh, intellectual property rights to the University of Tennessee. Now, does that extend to the student athlete? If they're not in Tennessee branded apparel, it may not fully extend to that student athlete. So then they could have the opportunity to pick up the compensation, attend an event at a competitor, and you've created, you've created a, an ext extreme amount of heartburn um, for your current partner and sponsor at the school level. So I think there has to be some level of collaboration. And I will say on the on the endorsement side of things with the coaches agreements that we have in place here, uh, there are some parameters uh, 
whereby you have access to the coaches. So, you know, for us, it's been a less is more type of uh, type of a platform. If you want to have one of our head coaches in an endorsement model, one, you have to be a current partner of the athletics department and sponsorship. Secondly, you have to be at our corporate champion level of sponsorship, uh, which is our highest level of sponsorship. Uh, and typically that requires multi-year agreements. And then if you do that, then we qualify for the endorsement discussion. Well, you've only got five or, five or six companies now that have access to the coach, but we that's been the model that's worked for us. And our belief is less is more, so you don't see the coach as much, but when you do, it's impactful. And then you go to other places and you watch someone's coach's TV show and you've seen it just like I have, the coach is doing every spot in the show. Right. Well, repping but, but, every company in the show. But think about this, Brandon. That, that model, which is great, and let's say that, that you could take that, you know, wonderful panacea forward. You know that if there's another school out there that says, well, if you go to Tennessee, your opportunities are limited. If you come here, sure. you know, I mean, get no, that, sure. get that, yeah. that's where I'm getting it back to recruiting again. You, you're saying the right model. You're saying, listen, we need to protect everybody here. We shouldn't just have the world you know, that, that every athlete can just do a deal and basically bastardize what we've spent years relationship-wise building up just because the punter went and did a deal with our competitor and now people are doing a, a you know, a, a, a signing over there with, with the quarterback. I, I, all these things can just tube all of your relationships if done poorly. But Yeah, you know what, and simply put, I'm just saying it can't be the wild, wild west. Right, but... <laughs> And, but the NCLA cannot manage what they have now. They can't even come close to trying to manage the recruiting violations that are occurring all over. And that's not our business. That's somebody else's show at another time. But they can't come close to seeing what's going on right now. How in right. the world are they going to do this? Which is why right. I said it's got to be a fund. It's got to be. There's no way to manage this if the money goes directly to the player. If the, good play, if the money goes from entity X to player Y... This is dead. It's going to it's going to be completely unsupervised, and we might as well just kill college athletics. Well, and you, but okay, and, and that begs the question: Does it does it need to be set up almost almost as if like a licensing agreement? Um, you know, you could use CLC as an example uh, as a way. A lot of schools who utilize CLC to administer their retail rights for any uses of marks on products that are sold at retail that all funnels ultimately through CLC who then compensates the schools and there would there would have to be a systematic approach now you mentioned earlier when does the student athlete when are they compensated you know it may be while they're in school and it may be once a year maybe twice a year I can't get that specific on what my recommendation would be. I do think you're right. There's got to be a clearinghouse of some sort, and it's probably going to have to come from a third party, just as you said, because with everything the NCAA has on its plate right now, how could it take that additional aspect on and be able to manage that at a localized level with the volume of schools that we're talking about? So, you know, it feels very much like a licensing play in a lot of ways. Um, no, but I think again, you're right. I think it's just like CLC. I think you nailed it. I think it goes through a clearinghouse, and, and even then, I, I still worry because everyone thinks of the traditional model of you know when we were younger and and X player came to the such and such and signed autographs. People lined up. That's not real anymore. Okay, that's just people. <laughs> the the you know put, take, throwing your picture and, and doing an appearance is, is not 
it's just not done a lot anymore. Here's the reality. The reality is social and the amount of followers you have and doing something on social, which is an implied or an actual endorsement, and then getting paid for that. And that's influencer marketing is, for some companies, it's all of their money is how they spend their money is influencer marketing. And some companies are spending 5%, 10%, 25%. The numbers that used to go to sports are now going to influencer marketing. And what is more influential in a normal world than your favorite athlete? And so if influencer marketing is the answer and that's what's going to, that's where these kids are going to make money all these companies out there that like open doors and these companies that are getting deals with school after school after school to teach the athletes how they can monetize themselves are all focused on one thing they're all focused on social growing their platform and then once they grow their platform big enough then they take that platform and they monetize it either with free product or with companies and so would you agree in thinking about a licensing type conversation, we have to find a way to get it under one umbrella because the alternative is cracking the door to where you have agents uh, that are representing the players. And, and that becomes, to me, a problematic conversation. Yeah, but, but I mean, pe- right now people are only thinking about it in terms of college, which is what our business is. but. High school, right? I mean, in basketball, eighth graders are recruited in basketball. Eighth graders are big names in basketball, right? They're, mm-hmm. And football, people tend to be a little more conservative. They don't really go out on a limb unless they're some kind of, you know, Tab Marinovich robo quarterback in 11, you know, at, at 12 years old. It's junior, senior year. You let their bodies grow, et cetera, et cetera. So they're not like unbelievable names across the country until they're probably maybe junior, seniors. That's not the case with every sport, but now you're, let's say that you're a, a, a amazing basketball, you're a top 50 basketball player in 9th, 10th, 11th grade. You might have a half a million followers. What's going to stop you from monetizing now? It's a great question. Um... And so now you are an 11th grader and you've got a three-year relationship with Nike. And you come to Tennessee. What do you do? you've left me speechless but no i mean it and the alternative is obviously you're probably not going to go to an adidas school right i mean it's just on the the very on the very front end of that but it is it is a mess because then then it goes back to what we just talked about in the sense that you want to try to be able to keep these conversations out of the recruiting process but if you've been rep by nike since you were in eighth grade how are you going to keep that out of the conversation you're probably not right so um, if that's the whole NIL thing, I, I think the, the, you're right. It's coming. It's inevitable. We can't stop it. No matter how angry I get that these guys are already paid, that they already got an unbelievable opportunity, and, and whatever the percentage is, 99% of them are not going to play sports professionally. And so that opportunity means their opportunity to live a productive life because of sports. Okay, dump all that and say, here's the facts, Paul. Wake up. It's happening. These kids are going to have NIL opportunities. Yes, only about... or 2% are actually going to monetize it into something real, but it's still going to be an absolute mess for you and I and everyone else out there as they nickel and dime away at potential clients that we have. Well, and, and you, you know, I'm not smart enough to think, think beyond this, but you, you would hope that you would crawl before you walk. Can we, can we establish some type of a model that can be implemented across the country at all the schools and it, and it be 
a fair representation and opportunity for the student athlete, uh, but, but it be something, at least in the beginning, that's manageable. Um, and, you know, I, the way we sell sponsorship here at Tennessee is, is a sponsorship tier model, and there's four or five tiers that you can that you can find your way into as a sponsor of the University of Tennessee. And can something simplistic like that be applied to this conversation so that it doesn't just become so out of control that no one can manage it? Yeah. Um, and so and, would you, Brandon, so back to your question, right, right now your top tier are the ones that get a chance to get to a coach. But that's not the realistic home for a local football player or basketball player or volleyball player or whatever. That realistic home with someone who wants 500 bucks or $1,000 is the lowest tier. So how do you manage that in your world? Well, you know, I've got to, I've got to protect the investment that we make at the University of Tennessee from the sponsorship perspective. And so um, if I had to draw it up myself, I think there, there, there's going to be some, some guardrails that I would create around what our local sponsorship looks like in this market and companies that are involved with us and then find a way into a model, although not like the current coaches endorsement model, but a model that would make sense for us and for the sponsors and for those companies that have been investing in the University of Tennessee for years on end uh, versus having someone come in in a one-off approach, uh, gain some assets and really not not invest at the level that it should be invested at. Um, there, there has to be a model that's established and there has to be some qualifiers uh, that are in there. Um, or again, we'll never be able to manage the volume of the request. Whomever has that governing power over that will never be able to manage the volume of requests that come in uh, for, for each of the student athletes and players. Um, Ultimately, it might come down to what is the NIL execute as you said the devil's in the details again we'll do we'll dive here then we'll finish but so uh you've got an international soccer star um on your on your women's team and and she came from argentina she's the biggest name in argentina she already comes in with a half a million followers uh and because of that she really can she can name her ticket internationally and locally and wherever she wants because she's a bigger star than than you know anyone else okay fine so but what you have to protect is whether she uses her name and whether she uses her likeness and what is the image. Because all those things are important. If she's not wearing orange and white, mm -hmm. if she's not wearing her number, and there's nothing in there that says a Tennessee Vols, but this young lady is able to say, hi, here's my name, and I endorse this, you're out of, what? You're out of luck. That woman is going to be able to get that, and we're probably never going to be able to stop that. It's when she gets into the secondary part, which is using the orange and white, and maybe even a number, or using the name, certainly, where you have to draw the line, right? It is, you know, and right now, you know, we face it from a licensing perspective and a sponsorship perspective, because you often see guerrilla marketing that occurs in the marketplace. And the rule of thumb that we've always governed ourselves by is too intense to associate. So if someone is marketing in our school colors, a football promotion that's in Knoxville, those are three intents to associate, we feel like with the University of Tennessee. And so therefore, from, from a law perspective, we could, we could enforce that if we needed to. Um, but, but again, that gets just on the outside uh, in a slippery slope type area. Uh, and it's, um, 
I, I wonder if this model could be addressed in whatever the model looks like in some form or fashion within the scholarship documents that are signed by the student athletes, uh, which has some ground rules in it. Basically, it's a, a section that's added to the scholarship document that addresses NIL and what the universe, what your specific universities take on the NIL is, what the parameters are that are established by the university and the guidelines so that everyone knows and has a clear understanding going in. This is what the expectations will be. These are the opportunities that you will have. Um, but again, it is it, it becomes better be such standard. a standard. Better be it, standard. It can't be unique to a school. No, no, you're, you're exactly right. But it becomes so problematic and complicated, no one can get their arms around it. Otherwise, well, otherwise, again, you're back to the wild, wild west. Well, and I think we're about to go in the wild, wild west. So it, anyway, you've heard my standpoint is this is an absolute mess. This train is coming. We see the light. It ain't a tunnel. It's just going to run us over. And, and I'm scared to death of what NIL will be. Not because I think that athletes are going to make millions of dollars and, and I'm worried about that. I, I, I'm not. I'm worried about all of the ambushing and all of the recruiting and all of those things that are coming, it just worries me. And, and Brandon's right. He's got he's to stay the course, understand it, and try to sell around it and with it and in it. Uh, and I'm sure he'll do a great job, as he always does. But uh, anyway, guys, that's, uh, that's all the time we have today for uh, Knox Talk. And uh, this was uh, a pleasure, Brandon. And we will visit again in two weeks. Happy Thanksgiving, buddy. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. <laughs>